Since we are live, hello everybody. My name is Mike Laser. I'm your announcer today and a writer for the Nighttime Show here with Matt Walker, the head writer, producer for the Nighttime Show. Our guest today, you know him from Jar Jar Binks, Stomp on Broadway, and the soon-to-drop Afrofuturist podcast, Ahmed Best, everybody! Yeah! Yeah, 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 yeah! yeah. Wham, wham. Throwing it to our host, you know him as Jabba the Hut stunt double. Give it up for Steven Kramer Glickman. Hurtful! <laughs> My feelings are hurt. That was mean. Hey, yes. uh, we. This is a, a exciting thing for us. We are uh, live from the Scum and Villainy Cantina in Hollywood, California. Uh, a very, very cool place. If you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Go mm-hmm. online, and you, you're here. You can see us. We're here right now. It's very. I'm very excited you to be here. You can see us on Periscope right now. Yep. Right now. Oh. This is a very exciting Although thing. Although if you're listening to this when this comes out next Wednesday, then it's not right now. It's last week, but go on Periscope and you can see it. But if you're <laughs> on the internet right now, then you're watching it right now. Yes. Right now? <laughs> it happens now. Yeah, it's real right now. Ahmed, right it's happening. Now. It's in the moment. <laughs> We're in the moment. This is happening in yes. the moment, right. Ahmed. Uh, how, how do you... I'm going to move this out of the way. Bib uh, Fortuna is in the Bib way. Bib Fortuna is in the way. Mm. He's yeah. always in the way, though. Yeah, he gets in the way. A little yeah. creepy. He uh, is no Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> it's very cool of us, uh, very cool of you to join us. Mm-hmm. Of course, uh, man. Very exciting. This is a should b- we talk about what today is? Yeah, today oh, is yeah. the 40th anniversary of Star Wars A New Hope. It is. Being released, uh, yes. This, uh, this film, uh, Star Wars, has had an enormous effect on mm-hmm. the world and on, on, uh, and on me. As a human being, my mm-hmm. entire life is kind of based and wrapped <laughs> around this film, and uh, and and I try. I, it it is given me a new hope uh, mm-hmm. throughout my life, many many times <laughs> to try uh, new things and to go to places I I would never go. Like for example, uh, I just recently went to New York City and had a uh, pretty horrible time. Really? Uh, yeah. But not that long ago, not that in long. a place sort of far away. I, sh- I should have. Do you live? Do you live out? Do you I ever grew go up to there? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. See, I lived in New York for a long time. I went back recently. So you ended up in the hospital. It was. I ended up in the hospital. <laughs> I, I pushed. You I pushed too hard, Ahmed. Yeah. I too. love too much. <laughs> I tried too I hard. That's what I hear. About I. I, uh, I you pushed too hard, so you got hemorrhoids. Is that what yes, you're saying? Yes, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Okay. That was a different episode. Yeah, that was a different time. Yeah, different um, New York. You know, I, I I stayed out too late, too many nights. I was having too yeah. much fun the yeah, first man. couple days, and then I just burned myself to a crisp. I just I'm burned myself careful. out. It was not. It was. It was hard. Where did you live? Where did you grow up in? I New grew York? up in the Bronx. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in a section of the Bronx called Soundview, which is very close to. Where Jennifer Lopez is from, Castle Hill oh, in wow. the Bronx. There's a lot going on in in the Bronx at that time. You know, 70s, 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, Hip hop was pretty much born on my block. Really? So, yeah, yeah. I would. You know, I lived in a in a 17 story building in Soundview, and um, in the summertime, like every weekend, DJs. And this was like when DJs were brand new. DJs would come to the the park across the street from my building and spin all night long and really? it would be like grandmaster flash and and, what? Cool Herc Holy and, and is this like extension cords coming out of windows down the street it was they used to hack into the street lamps okay for electricity and really? this was before the crossfader you know because you know mm-hmm. grandmaster flash yeah. invented the mm-hmm. crossfader so they would hook up two 
home stereo receivers mm-hmm. and on two different turntables and they would you mix the using like volume knobs and, and the oh, balances. Wow. So that was like the first mixing between two mm-hmm. tables and then Grandmaster Flash, who is an electrician, invented the crossfader and put that in on a receiver and that's when the, the DJ mixer kind of was invented. Yeah. But as I was a kid, this was all happening on my block, like B-Boy and breakdancing, rapping, oh DJing. Gosh. It was all kind of being invented in were the you Bronx doing some of that yourself i was you know breakdancing i was doing a lot of breakdancing mm-hmm. you know breakdancing was was cheap you know we didn't have very much growing up were so you doing the electric boogaloo i was doing the electric boogaloo <laughs> mm-hmm. i was a better i was a better electric boogaloo <laughs> dancer than i was a, a break dancer yeah but you know zulu nation rocksteady crew um all of that, all of that was happening in my neighborhood. So we'd see a lot of it. And, you know, I, was a, I was a little kid, you know, I was like mm-hmm. growing up four, five, six. Yeah. And I would see all of these B-boys and everybody would like have the Africa Bambata Zulu Nation yeah. T-shirts and stuff. And then Rocksteady Crew was like the biggest thing in New York at the time. And then Beach Street, the movie came out. And that's kind of when it, yeah. you know, that yeah. movie happened in my neighborhood. Yeah, I remember Beach oh Street God. and Breakin' and really? Breakin' 2 yeah. Yeah. were like the ones that yeah. I remember like I was in junior high or something when those movies came out and it was like that's when that became a culture that yeah, it was a thing i paid attention to yeah and beach street that took place pretty much all in the bronx mm-hmm. and um everybody was in it grandmaster flash was yeah. in it the furious five was in it melly mel was in it dougie fresh when mm-hmm. just came out was in it you know it was a it was a big deal even before like crush groove crush groove was the other big new york Mm-hmm. Hip hop movie for that time, which was pretty much about Run DMC, yeah. you know, and Russell Simmons. Were you able to hop on set for any of these things, or was it just like I can't believe my neighborhood I, is blowing I, up? I wasn't. I mean, those movies were really kind of shot in a in a very guerrilla movie kind of fashion, yeah. uh-huh. um, and nobody really knew outside of New York City what breakdancing was. It hadn't mm-hmm. become this thing yet, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Rap and and breaking wasn't that huge. Uh, as we thought in the rest of the country and in the world, like everybody thought it was going to be over really quickly, mm-hmm. you know, because that was just a fad. They thought it was a fad. Yeah. They thought, you know, they thought it was coming on the back end of disco, you mm-hmm. know, which all the all the hip hop records back in the day were over disco yeah. records, mm-hmm. you know, because there sure. would be this part in disco records where it would just be the instrumental, mm-hmm. and they called that the break, yep. sure. right? So everybody right. would rap over the break. And so DJs just started spinning the breaks mm-hmm. so people could rap live, you know, in parks, like on my neighborhood. And then people would dance during the break, hence break dancing. And then, you know, the beats that were created from the disco records mm-hmm. were usually from the break. And that's why they're called break beats. And you know, yeah. that's where all of that comes from. Oh, that's wow. awesome. I'm going to go on record. Um, controversial. But <laughs> sure. Um, disco is not as good. As no. hip hop, yeah. As hip hop, no. I'm I think you're 100 percent right about that. I think that is uh, that is a fact, yeah. and uh, I think uh, the world has uh, the, uh, the the world uh, agrees with you. Okay, I just don't want your Twitter to blow up with angry. angry. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? I have a lot of disco fans on my Twitter, and they're going to be very upset. They're probably watching right now. Yeah. A lot of people Robbie, with afros Robbie are very angry know. right now. If if, uh, if we have any questions, any Star Wars related questions or disco related questions, yeah. Robbie Carlisle is here uh, on camera. Everyone say hi to Robbie. Hey, Hello, he's behind. Oh, he's like in the fog. Yeah, yeah he's in the fog. My guess. Uh, Robbie, this place is cool. A- so, who is your favorite BG? 
Yeah. <laughs> if anything pops up, Robbie, you let us know, all right? I got to go with Maurice. I'm sorry. Right. That's one of my favorites. Now, um, <laughs> you're, uh, you do a lot of uh, voice work and, uh, and, and you know, a lot of accent work and things like this. Uh, did a lot of that come from living in New York? Did, it, did you? You know, a lot of it came from um, just being a fan of movies. Yeah. Um, and just having an ear for it. You know, I'm a musician, and I grew up playing music, and, and, you know, that's what I wanted to... That was my first love. You know, I went to college for music and stuff. So um, I always had an ear for voices, and I always, I, I always had an ear for sound. And, you know, I really do have to credit my parents because my parents were very open to pretty much everything. And my father is a cinematographer, um, and he's a huge, huge cinephile. So... You know, my father, when I was a kid, would watch all of these like Fellini movies and mm-hmm. and all of these, you know, the 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 hardcore like, you know, French Nouveau, French New Wave kind of you know movies and stuff. And I would always just be hearing these things in the house. You know, he's a big Truffaut fan. He was a big um, uh, Fellini fan, of course. Sure, he was sure. a big Cassavetes fan. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, my father would be studying these movies and they'd just be on. So I'd hear them. Yeah. And uh, I'd just imitate them, you know, yeah. me and, and then my brother and my You sister. told us last time we had you on, uh, we talked about you went to the High School of the Arts with uh, Lauren Hill and some other people. Yeah, we, it wasn't an arts high school. We went to uh, a school in Jersey. I moved to Jersey uh, for high school. Mm-hmm. Was, it like was, like <laughs> <laughs> was it like Sister Act? Was it like Sister Act 2? It wasn't. You know, Lauren... <laughs> was Lauren, anyone's eye on the sparrow yes, at any point? There okay, were many good. eyes on many sparrows. <laughs> okay, good. Just making sure. Um, but Lauren was just a phenom. You know, she, as soon as she walked in the room, she, all eyes were on her. She had always had that, that thing, you know, She's younger than me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was in high school and then she came in and everybody was like, oh, that's Lauren. That's <laughs> and I was like, who is this Lauren yeah. Hill girl? Did you ever ask her out? No, but she went to the prom with my brother. Oh. So wasn't, I just, no, no I just heard your brother. this yeah. from uh, Jordan Hembro, who's our next guest uh, today. He's uh, the toy hunter from Discovery Channel. Mm-hmm. He told me that, or he had heard that your father was a cameraman on a, Show on the yeah. on Good the, Morning America. On Good Morning America, yeah. Uh, because when he was on Good Morning America, uh, he said, "Oh yeah, I love Star Wars." And, so, and one of the guys was like, "You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, my son was." And I think yeah, he yeah. was talking to your dad. Yeah, yeah. My father um, had been on Good Morning America for years. I mean, he just retired actually from Good Morning America last year, and now he's working there more than he did when he was not retired. Oh my God, <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, they just keep calling. I, I, my joke is he, he's the only one who knows where all the stuff is. Yeah, sure. He's been that there for sense. 40 years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah um, of course. And, you know, that show turns over so many times. Yeah. But, yeah, I pretty much grew up on that set with, like, David Hartman and Joan London and then Charlie mm-hmm. Gibson and Diane Sawyer. And, wow. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. My, my father is, is very much ensconced in the Good Morning America Lore. That's awesome. Oh my God, yeah. I love it. But yeah, he did Good Morning America. He did uh, Wild Water Sports, mm-hmm. and he did ABC Sports, and you know. So I have a lot of Howard Cosell stories. Really? Do you really? <laughs> What's oh, your yeah. best Howard Cosell story? And can you do it with a Howard Cosell voice? Wait, hang on, yeah, hang yeah, on. Yeah. Let me get Robbie over here for a second. Robbie, come here for a second. Come here, come here. Let me get Robbie for one second. All right, amazing. Hang on. 
and then we're getting to how it's Please don't rush. Robbie. This is this is Robbie, everybody. Uh, if you haven't, have you met Robbie already? I no. uh, this is Ahmed Ahmed Best, and this is Robbie. Yeah. Robbie is uh, a, a big part of our show, and um, he brings the sex. Mm-hmm. He yeah, brings. He really the, does. The, he yeah. really does. It's a great That's what dude. I felt when he walked over here. Robbie, what I'd like you to do <laughs> is, is run. Uh, would you Would you run this for me sure. for a little while? So go back over there, or go wander around. And, uh, and get get yourself a little something, and uh, we'll make a. Uh, there's no food, but we'll, <laughs> we'll. But I'll get you something. We'll get you just, something in a bit. Just yeah. let let the people let those people see uh, yeah. Ahmed and everyone as well. Would you mind? All right, all right. I want to hear the Howard Cosell story. Okay. Uh, we'll favorite Howard Cosell story. <laughs> that was that's, space. that's not weird at all. That's, that's weird. That's, that's Robbie. Now you're here, making Robbie. it uncomfortable, <laughs> Robbie. That doesn't make me feel claustrophobic. Son of a bitch, Robbie. Mm. Damn it, Robbie! <laughs> Unbelievable. Leave Ahmed Best alone, Robbie. <laughs> Extreme close-up. We I love, love you, Robbie. I love you, buddy. Classic filmmaking you got inside my yes, head. I know. <laughs> Literally, um, he was inside your head with the camera. Right there. <laughs> Howard Cosell. Howard yes. Cosell. So um, my father is going to pick up his check at ABC. And me and my brother, I have a twin brother. Me and my brother were just standing outside waiting. He said, like, oh, run in, run out. My father mm-hmm. was really big about the run in, the run out. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Run in, run out. Right. Father runs in, goes pick up a check, and Howard Cosell walks out. And Howard Cosell was really tall. Really? Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe I was just really small. But mm-hmm. I just remember Howard Cosell being, like, really, really tall. Really mm-hmm. giant. And he had, you know, the curly toupee and everything. And then Howard Cosell comes out of the door, pulls out a cigar, looks at me and my brother, and he goes, who are you two? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we were just like, uh-uh. And at the time, we were like, oh, my God, that's Howard Cosell. You know, he was famous back in the day. He was like... Who do you two so and so's belong to? And we were like, uh, my dad is inside picking up his check. He's like, let me guess. Is your dad Adrian? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering who would let a guy like that in this building. Oh my God. <laughs> and then me and my brother were like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like we're in trouble. And then my father walks out, and he goes, here's the culprit right now. And then oh he lights up a cigar. And my father's like, Howard, what are you doing to my kids? <laughs> what are you telling them? And he's like, I was just trying to figure out who these two young men belong to. And he's like, stop bothering my kids, right? And Howard Cosell starts laughing. He holds out his hand, and he goes, I'm Howard Cosell. He shakes his hand. And he's like, you guys look great. You got the best father in the building. Oh, we were like, oh, wow. Thanks, Howard yeah. Cosell. And then like, a limo pulls up, he gets in. He's like, I'll see you soon. Adrian, I'll see you at work. And he drives away. Wow. Pretty cool. Man, that that could be like some cigar company's version of the Mean Joe Green commercial for right. Coke. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Right? <laughs> now, yeah. you have a twin brother. What is your. I do. Where is I he do. at these days? He's still in New York. He's yeah. in Harlem. You know, he works in advertising, he's yeah. a graphic designer. You know, my family has two types. We have the quiet, introverted visual designer mm-hmm. and the very loud, extroverted performer. Sure. And every every iteration of the best family has both of those. Both. If there are multiple yeah. children in the mix, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. all yeah. my cousins are either introverted or extroverted. So. Now, mm-hmm. is he, are you guys identical twins? No, we're fraternal. Okay. We're fraternal. Right. But we look alike. We look like yeah. brothers. So does he ever get asked like, hey, are you the guy no. who was Roger Binks? Like that never happens yeah. to him? No, no, no. no. Okay. 
Thank God. <laughs> he might throw somebody across the room. <laughs> His temperament is a lot less forgiving than mine. Uh-huh. When, when, uh, now we talked about this uh, on the show before that then uh, you were doing Stomp the musical. Yes. Oh, you were doing it on Broadway yeah. at the time, mm-hmm. and that is where you were picked and cast in San Francisco. Uh, that's I was where you got the Fran. audition yeah. for yeah. Star Wars. I was on the road for that one. I was in San Francisco. Um, with that, when I when Robin Gerland, who casted um, Menace and Clones, was in the audience, just by chance, she was just in the by audience. chance. Well, I mean, yeah. one of the cats, my friend RJ, invited her to the show in San mm. Francisco, and I just didn't know she was there. And yeah. it was a, I don't know if I told this story the last. You time. talk about how like you had had something had happened, and you were like, "I'm going to make this show all about me." I was outlandish. Yeah. I mean, it was just ridiculous the shit I did in that show. It was, it was just and so, like you felt bad about it. I felt terrible because yeah. it was, you know, I made the show. Stomp was really about these eight people trying to communicate a language to mm-hmm. the audience. Mm-hmm. Sure, right? sure. So we're pretty much teaching you how to speak Stomp, and by the mm-hmm. end of the show. We're communicating, you mm-hmm. know, without using any words. And it was very special to me because, yeah. you know, growing up as a musician, I, you know, and playing drums, you know, drums was really all about communication. Yeah. So, um, you know, I really took a very personal approach to Stomp. And I felt like it was my goal at the end of the day to get everybody to understand what we were saying on stage. right? And I just let my ego take over on that show. You know, I was yeah. just fucking taking my shirt off and throwing it in the audience. <laughs> oh, like, my God. I was just making the thing about Stomp was I felt like I had. I felt like Stomp was kind of tailor made for me. So mm-hmm. I had this ability to, like, take over the show whenever I yeah. wanted to. Kind of like LeBron James on a basketball mm-hmm. court. You yeah. Know what I mean, yeah. it's like at any moment he can just be like, everybody sit down. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm just going to win this game. And I felt that way on the Stomp stage. You know, there was there were moments where I was just like nobody's going to look at anybody but me. Wow. You know? And it was a powerful thing because when I felt like someone needed assistance on stage, I could just throw that assistance to Mm -hmm. them, you know, and just elevate the show, you know, because Mm -hmm. the show really is an ensemble show. It's about those people on stage. So, uh, you know, when I decided to not do that and take over the, the stage, you know, and be a punk 22-year-old, you know, arrogant kid. Yeah. You know, I, I just I just made it all about me. And it and and I felt really bad about that after after I did it. But, <laughs> sure. but if I was in the audience for that one, I would have been, like, out of control. Yeah, it would have been, been, been amazing. Well, I mean, it got me the gig. It got me the Star yeah. Wars gig because, you know, Robin was like, who is that guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you just shine out, when you outsh not not to say that you outshined the rest of the cast, but when you do outshine an entire entire Broadway show, yeah. people yeah. people take notice of that. Yeah. I mean, look, I yeah, mean, yeah. not to sound you know uh, you know rude in any way, but you look at a uh, Book of Mormon comes yeah. out and Josh Gad yes stars totally. in Book of Mormon. And there's a lot of other people who were in that show, and he blew everyone else yeah. off that stage. Mm-hmm. I mean, and got an entire career out of it. He got 
a series immediately. Like yeah. immediately, they yeah. just handed them a it's, series. It's the way I feel about being on this podcast. You know, yeah. the way that you take. I, it I, over. I carry you guys on the podcast every now and then, mm-hmm. and uh, it just happens that way sometimes. Yeah. Literally, they're going to give Robbie a show. <laughs> yeah. That's just how it's going to be. Gonna Rob, yeah. just gonna Robbie. Robbie will be the hottest director in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> he just throws his hands up like probably, probably. I don't know, maybe. Um, so. <laughs> did you? So you had an audition. Did they? Did it get you an audition, or did they give you the part? It right got away? me an audition. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when you get to the audition, just walk us through that that particular audition. Uh, okay. Did you know what you were auditioning for? No, no okay. idea. Um, Robin called me in my in my apartment in San Fran. She was like, "I want you to come up to the ranch to audition," and I was like, <sighs> "That's all I really need. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really care about." actually getting the part the yeah. fact that i get to audition at the ranch is fresh yeah i'd lose my mind so you know i had to get a car i rented a car and i drove up to skywalker to audition and um it was in the main house i don't know if you've been to skywalker but there's a huge like victorian mansion on skywalker and uh george's office is in the top and robin's office was like in the basement <laughs> <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> and it was a very narrow very small room so she was like, come in, come downstairs. And when you walk through the mansion, the, f- the first thing that you walk through is a display case. And in the display case, there's the Indiana Jones hat and the whip and like a couple of the original lightsaber handles and sure. you know, some mm-hmm. awards and shit. But, you know, any Lucasfilm fan will walk through the doors and fucking freak out. And yes. I freaked yeah. out. I was oh, like, the yeah. Indy whip and the this and that. I was just bugging, right? Yeah. Um, so there are two ways you can go about that situation. You can be like, oh, I'm so nervous. I can't do anything. Or you can say, I'm getting this goddamn job. I don't even know what the hell it is, but I'm yeah. doing it. I went that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, I am going, I don't know whatever the hell this is. I am going to do it. Hell I'm yeah. getting this thing. So we went down in the basement in Robin's office and she was like, look, we're casting a new Star Wars movie. Um, and George wants to try this thing, but I can't tell you what it is. I can't give you any lines. And I can't tell you what it looks like. <laughs> oh, my God. All We're right. doing a thing. So I was like, yeah. well, all right. She, yeah. And then she said, um, you know, at first Jar Jar was supposed to be like a salamander. So she was like, can you do stuff like a lizard, like close <laughs> to the floor? Oh. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I did a bunch of that stuff. And then she was like, all right, can you do some stuff standing up? And I was like, all right, cool. And then she was like, do you know, can you do anything else? And so I started doing, like, backflips and, like, a lot of, like, capoeira moves because I did capoeira for oh, years. Oh, wow. So I was, like, doing a bunch of capoeira in this really tiny space. She shot this whole thing, right? And then she was like, okay, great, great. Do you want a tour? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and then she took me on a tour of the ranch and the oh, building and everything. God. And I was like, you know what? If nothing happens out of this, this is cool. I yeah. had a great, great time, yeah. right? I go back doing Stomp on the Road, right? Robin later tells me, like, she immediately runs the tape to George, and she's like, I know you're looking at a bunch of people, but you got to see this guy, right? George takes a look at it. This is from Robin's story, and he goes, all right, bring him in for a test. You know, George is kind of like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I'm in D.C., and I get a phone call. Can you come back to... San Francisco, we want to 
do a test with you at ILM. And I was like, Jay, I get to see ILM too. Like, you know what I mean? Oh like, my at God. first I saw the ranch. Now I get to see ILM too. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, hell yeah, I want to go to ILM. So I go to ILM. They fly me back out. And same deal. You know, ILM at the time wasn't where it is now. Mm-hmm. It was not too far from the ranch, but it was just this like kind of abandoned, um, you know, strip mall-esque mm-hmm. park. So right. all the facades looked like old restaurants, like fast food joints. <laughs> and you had no idea like what was behind it. It was just like these like fast food joint buildings mm-hmm. that didn't have any signs on it. Yeah. But it was just like, yeah, I'm walking through a ghost town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And then you go through a door and the you see the Energizer Bunny and like the original Han Solo and Carbonite mm-hmm. and like the all of this shit that you see everywhere. Yeah, sure. But this is where they make it. Wow. Shit. You know? And I walked through like, where are, what is, it? where are <laughs> yeah. we? What are we doing right yeah. now? And they were like people doing like forced perspective miniatures. Mm-hmm. And, but this whole CG thing was kind of brand new. And, you know, nobody really knew how it was working. They were writing the software, writing the code as they were, as George was like throwing out suggestions and thinking about mm-hmm. it. So I'm freaking out, and then here it comes. You can either be nervous or you can get the job. And I was yeah. like, I'm getting this fucking job. Fuck, yes. So <laughs> they, um, I meet a whole bunch of the animators, right? And I meet Rob Coleman, who's the head animator. And Rob runs, um, he runs, he does all the Lego movies now mm-hmm. yeah. in Australia. What's the Animal Logic is the company I think Rob runs? So... Rob is there, and a bunch of other of it, and the animators are there, and they go, "Okay, can go in that room and put that bodysuit on, you know." And now everybody knows what the mocap bodysuit looks like, right? right? It looks like it has all the ping pong balls. At the time, though, it was probably like, "What the hell are you?" At the time, it was like a bodysuit, like a dancer's Mm bodysuit, with like a whole bunch of just like light, bright orbs on them right? and then I had to put on this headband with orbs on it and these hand things with orbs on it and then you know Jar Jar was supposed to be like seven feet tall yeah so they had these really high platform converse all-stars what so I walked out there wait a second yeah. hang on a second right. Chuck Taylors yeah they had Chuck Taylors with like and they had built wooden like a wooden platform some, and they, okay, and they if, glued if the Chuck Taylors to the wood. If there's anybody out there that can make a, an artist rendering of Jar Jar Binks wearing platform Chuck Converse heel, I would. That, that I will I hang down on my No, wall. it was yeah. just super. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, I walked out of the room looking like I was about to go <laughs> to the corner and make some cash. Yeah. You know? yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> oh my gosh, we're back I love at disco. It. What's so, going on? Oh my God. I'm walking around, right? And I'm like, oh man, this is like really embarrassing. Like, I don't know what's about to happen. And they were yeah. like, well, we don't know either. We just wanted, this is the test. Yeah, you're waiting for them to come out and be like, you're on punked. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. We got, got you. And I was like, you didn't have to get me and do all of this shit. <laughs> Um, and then George walks out and he's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm just like, I, I, I didn't know you were going to be here. And that was the first time I met George. Oh, my God. Um, during this test. And they were like, all right, we want you to go into the volume. And I was like, what the fuck? what's a volume? And they're like, oh, no, just the space where the taped off space. And in the corners of the room, there were these cameras that capture infrared. So the, the light 
is reflected off of the balls that are on the not my balls, but the balls that are on <laughs> the, the suit, the yeah. body suit. Sure, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Infrared at the time captured that. This was before digital photography. So the infrared yeah. film cat captured that, translated that into digital information on the computer. Like the so, wireframe thing. Right. Yeah. And then you you track the wireframe and then you build over the wireframe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they were trying to figure out if if this was gonna work and this test was like the if, mm-hmm. right? So George was like, okay, you know, you can just walk across, walk across the room. And I was like, walk across the room. And then he was like, can you do it like a little slower, like arms dragging, you know, kind of bob your head a little bit. And I'm like, okay, I did that. And he was like, okay, what else you can do? And then I started doing all the stuff I did in Robin's office, which was a lot. With the platform Chuck Taylor's that was that's the, hard. That was the challenge. Like, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know how to do a backflip with those things on. So I was like, all right, this might hurt. So I did it. And I mean, successfully, I did it. Mm-hmm. But it was Jeez. it was definitely a. Do you think you thing. trying that stuff is what puts you ahead of anybody else going up for the job? Yeah, I mean the pe- the other people going up for it weren't movers, mm-hmm. you know. And George wanted somebody who was a mover mm-hmm. first. Like the other guys, you know, I had heard later that Robin Williams mm-hmm. and Eddie Murphy and Michael Jackson. Michael yeah. Jackson was the only other mover. Yeah, you know that was in the mix, um, but. George didn't want those personalities and those names to take away from mm-hmm. the movie. It's the yeah. exact yeah. opposite of what Disney's doing now. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, George really hired me because I was a mover, mm-hmm. you know, and the voice shit came later. But um, he really wanted someone who could, who would be open enough to experiment because nobody knew what was going to happen. Like mm-hmm. nobody knew what was going on. Sure. And, um, it was a lot easier for, you know, an unknown kid off the streets of New York to just be, just to do whatever yeah. the fuck, just because I was happy to be yeah, there. If you're, right, of course. Because yeah. if you're Eddie Murphy or Robin Williams, like, you have There's a this brand. career that's locked There's a in, thing. you do certain yeah. things, They'd and you be might like, sit there no. and be like, I, I don't do that. Yeah, yeah, that's not my thing. Yeah. You know? What do you, I, I feel like there's a fluidity to Jar Jar. So mm-hmm. were you drawing, like, what were you drawing on once you understood what this character, like, who who you were becoming like were you drawing on certain techniques from different styles that you were into yeah i mean a lot of it uh comes from my background as a martial artist um and you know i grew up doing martial arts all my life and i've always been a fan of martial arts movies and 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 techniques and stuff so i i I grabbed a lot of it from martial arts but um you know george is a big buster keaton fan and he really wanted Jar Jar to be like digitally animated Buster Keaton. Sure. You That's know. awesome. Okay. So Phantom Menace is pretty much, if you watch Jar Jar's progression, it's mm-hmm. pretty much a Buster Keaton movie. I love it. You know. Wow. And so George and I would like sit and watch Buster Keaton movies. And he'd be like, all right, that. I want you yeah. to try that in this scene and take that and that. And that. So the, the final battle scene. Mm-hmm. In Menace is dead up Buster Keaton. Wow. Gosh, I can't wait to go back. I I, I gotta watch it again. And like, is there some, did some, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's already done this, but has there been like any sort of like annotated thing where they wrote down like, okay, so here Jar Jar's doing this. No, but they should. Uh, It's really, it's really easy to find, you Mm -hmm. know, where I'm hanging off the tank. That's like him on the clock tower. I'm on the clock tower. Wow. What? When I'm running away from the orbs, that's Mm -hmm. Buster Keaton running away from the barrels running down the street. My so God. it's like pretty much dead up a Buster Keaton movie. 
That's I'm, a, that's I'm a, now I got to rewatch it. Yes, yeah. that's uh, absolutely the funnest yeah. thing I've heard in so yeah. long. Hey, so uh, you know, I, I, uh, as always, you know, we always have Fireball whiskey with us whenever we tape an episode mm-hmm. of our show. You know, we we had the Kaplan twins on. We yeah. gave them a bottle. We give bottles away a lot to people. You know, sometimes it's good stuff. We, people yeah, like it. It's, people yeah. love that stuff. Uh, I actually have a bottle with me right here, and uh, I'm I'm gonna drink some of it. Uh, but if you listen when I open the top of this bottle, you can hear in the bottle. You can hear. The fireball whiskey talking, and it's a. Uh, it's you can't hear fireball yes. oh, talking. Oh, you totally can. Hang on, let All me right. take the lid off. Ready? You got the man. I could be the man. There he I'm is. I'm gonna be the man today. That's the We're sound. We're gonna that- have fun. That's fireball. the sound of the fireball yeah. whiskey inside it's the like, bottle. It's like encouraging you. It's- it does. Hey there, fireball whiskey. Hi, man. Hey, I'm so excited. I can't wait to drink you. Man, stick, stick it. Get rid of all this small dog. Just drink me already so I can have some fun in your all tummy, right. bro. Get, get in my tummy. Get Woo! in my tummy. Well, make it happen. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, how, how is it down there? Oh, my goodness, dude. It's so, it's so cold out here. But, like, dude, what the hell did you eat for lunch? <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, um, my God. I it mean, smells like dog shit down here, bro. <laughs> oh, my. oh, well, hopefully that fireball whiskey will make things smell just oh a little bit God. better in there. I can't. You know, I'm going to have to hang out in your stomach for a while and make it smell good. So uh, yeah, yeah, keep, try. keep drinking that shit, bro. Yeah, I will. I'm going to drink a little bit more. Here we go. Here we a little go. more. We're yeah, we're having a party in Steven's drown stomach. Out, drown out these it's horrible awesome. choices I've made. Woo! Oh, Fireball whiskey. You know, Fireball, it makes you feel good, and it makes your stomach smell better. <laughs> All right, back to the show. Now, when you, did, when you didn't know that you were going to do the voice as well. No. Right. When did, that, when did you find out that you were going to do the voice? Before I went to London, I auditioned for the voice, and, um, you know... I auditioned over the phone and it was Robin. Robin was like, give me like six different choices. Mm-hmm. And I did. And it was like, they were all various, you know. And what kind George, of, what are some of the other ones you might have done? I did a really low one. What would Jar Jar um, sound like then? <laughs> you know, I haven't, I, I don't know. Jar Jar is so in my DNA right now yeah. vocally that I can't even remember what the other ones do, that like, I tried. Hey, it's Jar Jar. Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy Jar Jar. <laughs> Lisa, go bomb <laughs> Yes. Hey, Blibber. That's God. It's the sexiest thing Jar Jar Binks has ever said. I did a kind of an English one, I think, with a bit of an accent. But um, the one that was used was the one that George liked the most because yeah. he was really focusing on the kids. Mm-hmm. He's really focusing on children and a lot of the language in the dialogue is really like how his son used to talk mm-hmm. as a baby, you know? So he would just take all of his son's crazy baby words and just gave them to Jar Jar. That's where the language wow. came from, huh. you know? So, you know, it got interpreted as this like weird Jamaican esque yeah. like, accent. Sure. But, you know, that's how his kid talked. That's pretty much where the language comes from. He didn't adopt the, a Jamaican a, kid, right? No, no. He's, you know, yeah. 
run Frank, the, run the mill everyday yeah. white American yeah. kid. <laughs> you know, maybe he got some Jamaican in his DNA. I don't know. It's yeah. possible. Yeah. But um, I didn't put an accent on the, the language. That's just yeah. how it was written. Mm-hmm. And that's all from George. That's all from his brain. You know, he yeah. made that up. Wow. And, I, and I just tried to make it make sense in some <laughs> kind of a way. There was a couple of scenes where I was just like, I have no clue what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like there's this one scene where me, Liam, and you and I are in the submarine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're going to the- uh, Yeah, the Gungam. Yeah. We're the, what's a bongo? Yeah. It's like a ship, I hope. So we're in the bongo and it's the always, there's, there's always a bigger fish scene. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And, of course, yeah. Um, there's a line in it where, you know, Obi-Wan is like, Jaja, how, why were you banished? You know, and I say something like, um, I did one or two little bitty things I can't remember. Like, you could say I was banished because I was clumsy. And he goes, you were clumsy, yeah. And then this line says, you might say I would have boomed the gasser, crashed in the boss's hay blibber, then banished, right? And I had no <laughs> idea <laughs> what that was, what it was supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. Like, I was like, how do I say, how, what do I yeah. say, right? So, I, right before this, you know, and this is like all day, I'm like, oh shit, this line's gonna come. I don't know what to do, you know? So, I go up to George right before we do it, and I'm just like, hey man, um, what does this mean? Boom, the gasser, crashing the boss's hay blipper, then banished. And he goes like this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just uh, amazing rhythm. I like, no what? Yeah. You don't know. And I was like, okay. Yeah. So we get in the chair. Check the periscope for uh, Stylus' wow. questions. Yeah. Any uh, any questions, buddy? Any questions you're getting? Uh, most of them have been about your dick. I'm not uh, most of the questions are about, about who's, who's Ahmed's dick? dick or my dick. No, your dick. Steven's dick. My Steven's dick. dick. Your oh. dick. Come here. Come Go, here. Get on mic, Robbie. Just come yeah. over here. Get on mic, Robbie. It, it's the internet, so that's <sighs> to be expected. No, the internet is Everybody dick obsessed. Yeah. Oh, did you stop? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a reasonable question. Why? So what What were some of the questions, Robbie? Uh, how big is Gustavo's dick? How big is Gustavo's dick when he's erect? Will <laughs> Gustavo show his bulge? Where is Logan? Where is Logan? Where is Logan? Where is Logan? Hey, where's Logan? It's like you kidnapped okay. him. Okay, so Steve, uh, oh, okay. Robbie, can you check the periscope? Because that might be a little yeah, different. Sure. Yeah, check uh, the periscope. Okay. That might be a little more uh, Star Wars centric because those, those are his big time Rush fans ah. that are obsessed with this character. Gustavo That's where Rock. we met. That's yeah, where me and Ahmed met on Met on Big Time, right. time Rush. Yeah. Back in the day. So do you know where Logan is then? Yeah, where is, where, where is, is Logan? Logan? I don't do you know, know where Logan is. No. Finally going to see that bulge though. Oh, wow. <laughs> We're at 8,000 viewers. Uh, nice. Through a Huge. Well done. Awesome. Well, thank you. Oh, 8,000 people. 8, people. Uh, so, okay, Robbie, check the iPad. What, what does it say on there? Uh, well, while we're looking at that, I, do, do you want to... Sorry. Can, I, can you tell me about your podcast real quick while we're getting the to questions? The Afrofuturist Podcast. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I've always been, of course, a sci-fi geek. And, you know, A New Hope was the first movie I ever saw ever in my life. And, you know, much like a lot of people who saw it, it really made me fall in love with the movies and, you know... Even though Star Wars is not science fiction, mm-hmm. um, I was a big Star Trek fan, which is a science fiction fan, and Star Wars fan, which is more like speculative fiction, because Star Wars takes place a long time ago. Right. Sure. Yeah. Sure. In a galaxy far, far away, and there's not very much like real science in it. So it's more about speculation, what would happen in this guy. So I always wanted to talk about both of those things, science fiction and speculative fiction. As well as, you know, I'm a big, 
you know, just geek when it comes to tech and, and science and stuff. And, you know, growing up in New York City, I would always, I would be at like the Museum of Natural History and the Hayden Planetarium like every weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just running around that place. I, like that was my, that was my escape. That was my home. And it really made me fall in love with science. And I've always been in love with science growing up. So um, I have a lot of people in my life who are scientists and who are artists that either love science fiction and speculative fiction or write science fiction or speculative fiction. And I just wanted to talk to them. Awesome. Um, I also wanted to talk about the future. Like nobody really talks about the future. The future is kind of taboo, you mm-hmm. know, because everybody, the big self-help thing is live in the now, live in the moment, yeah. live in the present, you know, mm-hmm. and that's cool. But because we are a, a mammal that can perceive the past and the future, mm-hmm. Um, living in the present doesn't negate the fact that we can have an idea or a for forecast of what might be absolutely to come. So I wanted to start talking about that. And a lot of the times when you talk to futurists or when you talk to people about the future, they're not really thinking about people who are who have black skin and brown skin. Mm-hmm. For some reason, like we're just gonna come along, you know, to whatever the future is and what's going to be. Yeah. Um, what a but, small-minded. Type yeah, it's of it's choice. really it's true. You know what I mean? Like when you think about it, you know, take even if you take what's going on right now in politics with the with the healthcare bill mm-hmm. and and you know how the Republican Party are calling it a compassionate bill. <laughs> They're not really thinking about the people that they're going to leave behind yeah. because of a massive tax cut and taking people yeah. and, and a huge t- cut of Medicare. So they're not thinking about the millions of people who are going to be negatively affected by it because the majority of those people are going to be black and brown people. Yeah. Right? right. So their future forecasting doesn't include anybody that doesn't look like them. And even worse, mm-hmm. it doesn't include anybody in their socioeconomic sphere. Yeah. Right. So it it's that way all the way down the line. And you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, who I'm just a huge, huge fan of from the Bronx, um, always thinks in ways that are not only all inclusive, but thinks in ideas that encompass a future forecast that everyone Mm-hmm. can achieve yeah you know he was asked this question once like would it be easier to fly all of our garbage into space and he was like think about the question it takes billions of dollars to launch a rocket into space and you want to take our most worthless things <laughs> and, and that spend billions of dollars yeah. to shoot them into space why would you do that he was right. like why not think of a world without garbage mm-hmm. like what That's would it be answer. without trash what if we didn't waste right wow so what it that hits everybody right you know it's weird how simple that is but for me that isn't where my mind would go my no. mind would go let's fix it by getting rid of it not let's right. fix it by changing exactly yeah so i wanted to talk about that in the afrofuturist podcast like how do we perceive the future how is the future perceived by the people creating it and then how can we democratize the future where it is all-encompassing, where everybody can talk about Mm -hmm. it and participate in it. You know, you have these enormous enormous populations of people in India Mm -hmm. who are doing customer support for everything, Mm -hmm. you know? So here are 
a bunch of brown people who are so computer literate that they can help you fix your computer from half a world away. Mm -hmm. Yet they don't even make what we consider minimum wage. Yeah. So what's going to become of these people? What's going to become of people who are basic coders? Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, what's going to happen is basic coding is going to be the next like blue collar job. You know, you're going to herd all of these low income people into just coding so rather than it being like working on an assembly line and putting screws in cars, mm-hmm. it's going to be working on an assembly line, writing lines of code. Yeah. So thinking about the future in that respect, like how do we take coding and not make it a, a socioeconomic ghetto, for mm-hmm. lack of a better term, Absolutely. and turn it into something that could benefit the world in, in, yeah. in a creative process is a question we have to ask, and we're not mm-hmm. asking those questions. As well as... Like speculative fiction works in a way that, you know, I was always big into Marvel comics because most of Marvel comics took place in New York City. You know, Spider-Man was from Queens. Mm -hmm. You know, the X-Men were from upstate. You know what I mean? Like a lot of stuff happened on the streets that I grew up with. So it was easier for me to imagine Spider-Man flying down Midtown Manhattan because I was about to go to Midtown Manhattan. And I think speculative fiction works in a way and in consort with the future because all you got to do is tweak reality just a little bit. And then you have this fantastic world that you can just get lost in. So um, the Afrofuturist is going to be talking about those things, you know? So Mm -hmm. right now... I'm batching a bunch of episodes. We have, um, I'll be talking to people in uh, AI. I'm talking to futurists who are forecasting um, 100 years from now, 1,000 years from now, 10,000 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's uh, there's a, f- a foundation called the Long Now Foundation, which they're really into w- looking at what 10,000 years from now is going to be. and be talking about that. There's this institute called the institute for the future i'm going to be talking to them about how they forecast in different parts of the world and what they do and stuff so um i really want this idea about speculative fiction and futurist thinking to be a viable source as not only a conversation piece but if somebody wants a job as a futurist that Mm -hmm. that exists yeah you know yeah. what I mean? Now, I have a question. In uh, how many years in the future will Robbie find a nice man that he can settle down with? Mm. Um, I, I really have to know a little <laughs> bit more about Robbie to know. <laughs> he just, is we need to ask the 10, into, what are you mostly into, Robbie, these days? Black guys. Black guys. Robbie loves black men. His his dream man is Terry Crews. Is what Terry, Terry Crews. Yes. Well, that might be hard because he's married. Yeah. But um, it depends on... <laughs> Nah, you never know, man. I think he's open. You seen his Old Spice commercial? Yeah, yeah. He's he's do, he'll sound. do whatever. Yeah. Um, it depends on where you hang out, bro. You got to go find yeah. where the brothers are. He's got to try his best. That's all so, we can do. Uh, okay. we, we have a couple to... Star Wars questions for you, real quick. Yeah. Besides Jar Jar Binks, yes. Who is your favorite Star Wars character? Han Solo. Ooh. Okay, and besides the major characters, who's your favorite minor Star Wars character? Um, Bail Organa. Bail Organa. Why Bail Organa? Man, the dude took Princess Leia. 
Mm-hmm. He's he pretty like, badass. I'll, I'll take care of her. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of her. And you know, he ran a planet. That, that, that shit is hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I can't Difficult. wait to hear your podcast from Mars. I think Word. that's going to be pretty dope. Yeah, man. Huh. Yeah. I love that. Before we wrap up, uh, we've got uh, uh, two things. Mm-hmm. Number yes. one, uh, we are at the. Uh, Scum and Villainy, Scum and Villainy Cantina. Cantina And at the Scum and Villainy Cantina They have amazing Wonderful drinks They have blue milk mm. Word. They have all sorts of uh, Terrific drinks here But my favorite free? drink <laughs> Is a drink called Fireball Whiskey the Cinnamon and, Whiskey uh, And I yeah. brought it for you This is a bottle for you buddy this is, this is your bottle Holy cow Thank uh, you So thank you And thank you for I'm coming gonna, I'm gonna finish this Before I get on my bike <laughs> <laughs> Yeah please be careful Be <laughs> careful You Wait rode up on home. a motorcycle Motorcycle, and it was so badass. Yeah, what a cool. badass <laughs> fucking motorcycle, too. Thank you. Thank um, will you, you tell, before we wrap up, will you, will you tell us uh, the, I know that we've talked about it in the past, but would you tell, would you tell, uh, at least tell Mike Glazer the, uh, the story about you and uh, Michael Jackson? Oh, uh, yeah. Michael Jackson's story. Oh, oh, one other quick thing. So uh, we're not going to get into it today, way. but if you want to hear Ahmed's thoughts, on the theory that Jar Jar Binks was secretly a Sith Lord. Go listen to our last podcast with Ahmed Best yeah. from January. Yes. Is that um, January? And yeah. you can hear oh, Ahmed talk all God. about what he thinks about that theory and why we're actually sitting in what, the presence of a Sith Lord right what's now. What's so God. crazy okay. is after you told that theory uh, and, and really after you really got into it, I went home and started looking at you know like pictures online and my God, there's a lot of artwork of Jar Jar as yeah. a Sith Lord. Yeah, and it is so badass. He yeah. is yeah. pretty so cool. terrifying. Yeah, I, I, I really like that theory. You know, yeah. I thought it was really cool. I'm a, I'm a really fan. So I'll go back and listen to that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, All so right, no, what please, with, uh, Michael Jackson. MJ, Michael man. Jackson. So um, I'll try to make it as brief as possible. So sure, sure. Me and Natalie Portman and George and George's kids, we went to see Michael Jackson at Wembley. He invited us because he was in London while we were shooting. So we were in the Prince's Box at Wembley, the Royal Box at Wembley. My God. So. Wait, and this was when you were in London shooting. Phantom which, Menace. Phantom Menace, the yeah. first one. Right. So we were shooting Phantom Menace. We're in the Royal Box at Wembley. And, you know, the Royal Box has um, a secret passageway behind it. Mm-hmm. Just so, I guess, so the royals could either get the fuck out if there's something happening yeah. or, you know, they're royals. They got mm-hmm. they yeah. got to have secret passageways. And shit. That's what they do. It goes with the title. So um, this dude comes out of nowhere from the secret passageway and whispers in George's ear and turns around and walks through this door. And George goes, all right, guys, come on, follow me. So we follow him and we're walking through the back of Wembley Arena and there's this really small, narrow staircase. And then we come up backstage um and i was like oh shit how do we get here came up backstage and backstage they were like it was full-on like triage michael jackson fans were like passed out and dehydrated and they were all in these gurneys and people were like rehydrating <laughs> them and you know God. they were all just like britishly faint just oh michael, <laughs> michael oh michael you know so <laughs> So great. <laughs> is there anybody that happens with now? No. He was the last know. one, right? He, yeah. He was, he was a, a thing of his own. Yeah. So we go, the creepy guy goes, come on, follow me. So we go even further deep into backstage, and then we're behind the stage just watching the band. And 
Catherine, Michael's mom, is like with a bunch of random kids, just like herding them to a space. And there was this little like dressing room area where the guy points to and he tells us, go back there. So we go back there and there's Michael putting on a shirt. Right. And he doesn't speak. He just like smiles and sees us and he reaches out his hand. I shake his hand. Um, And the funny thing is, I remember looking at his hand and seeing like a little patch of brown skin like right on his finger. Mm -hmm. You know, because uh-huh. I was like, man, that's got to be some black left on Michael Jackson, right? And it was just like this little patch, this really small patch of brown skin. I was like, that's the shit, the vitiligo shit is real, right? So he like waves at us and then the handler comes out and tells us to stand by stage, right? And then Michael Jackson runs back on stage, like runs, you know? And as soon as he gets on stage, like 80,000 people just Crazy. up on their feet, yeah. just bananas right and i just remember watching michael jackson control eighty thousand people and thinking this yeah. shit is he's insane oh, it's yeah. just amazing and that's for his encore yeah and wow. he you know he's not a big dude he was yeah. like five ten you know what i mean kind of slight so i was like man this isn't great he's got everybody in the palm of his hand so he does heal the world and like heal mm-hmm. the world make it a better place and shit and then there's like this big globe drops down it's like this huge world mm-hmm. and then like a whole bunch of kids join Michael on stage right and he's singing heal the world and everybody in the audience like heal the world and I'm singing heal the world and mm-hmm. me and Natalie are looking at each other like can you believe this this is bananas right and then there's this weird like roadie dude like standing next to us and he's like jamming to the music <laughs> he totally looks like a Metallica fan but he's just like jamming to Michael Jackson music and then he turns turns to us and goes, you guys might want to stand back, right? And I was like, oh, oh, okay. And then he takes this <laughs> charger and runs it across the board and fireworks, boom, just blast from mm-hmm. everywhere. And it gets hot uh-huh. and it's like sparks are flying and shit. We're like, oh my God. Right? <laughs> and then Michael Jackson like disappears into the city. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, an and we were like, wow, that was great. <laughs> I'm thinking it's Miller time. Like we go have a drink, Mm -hmm. right? The handler pops out of nowhere like a ninja again. He's like, hey, uh, Michael wants to see you guys. So he takes us outside and we go down the driveway, right? And there's this fleet of Toyota minivans with a bunch of kids in them, right? Michael pops out uh, wearing the captain's jacket and the fedora and the mask and shit, right? Uh, Lisa Marie is in the truck and this was they had just been divorced and Lisa Marie is in the truck with a bunch of kids she's like smiling at me and shit and I, you know I tell this story all the time like Lisa Marie gives me the eye and I don't do shit about it and I'm still upset about that yeah. I'm really really maybe upset maybe she's listening I would have been like hey y'all what y'all doing with these children you know, brother from the Bronx can hang out you yeah. know drop them off you know what I'm saying like yo drop them kids off come back to my room Lisa you know be a hunk of burning love so Love it. Michael comes out. He goes, hey, guys, thank you for coming to my show. And George was like, oh, let me introduce you. And this is Natalie. And he goes, Natalie, it's a pleasure to meet you. And he's like, you remember my kids, right? And he goes, yeah, Amanda, Katie. Uh. He's like, yeah, I remember you guys when you were little. I used to play with you guys when you were little. And he goes, this is Jar Jar Binks, also known as Ahmed. And he goes like this. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, Okay. Mm. All the air just got sucked out of the minivans. Yeah. Like I don't know how what's happening right now. He goes, <laughs> oh okay. And George is like, all right, cool. So uh if you wanna I'll be uh, you know where I'm at and if you wanna talk and Michael's like, Oh yeah, yeah, we'll hook up, we'll catch up, blah 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 blah. Gets in the minivan and then the fleet of minivans drive away. 
So I'm like, all right, bet, let's go to the after party. Go to the after party of which Michael's not there because he's with Miss <laughs> sure. Marie kids and minivans. Yeah. And I'm sitting having a drink with George. And I'm like, hey, man, um, that was weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was that all about? Like, to why why introduce me as Jar Jar? And he's like, well, Michael wanted to play Jar Jar. And I was like, huh? Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, but he wanted to do it like Thriller. Like, he wanted to do prosthetics and, you know, he wanted to, like, just really get in all these costumes. And he's like, I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted to do this CGI thing. You know, I really wanted to try the CGI thing. And I was like, so you're trying to tell me that instead of choosing Michael Jackson, you chose me. He was like, yeah. Wow. Holy (sighs) shit. And I I, I didn't even ask why. I was just, just... dumbfounded by it yeah. and I was like God that's crazy so the next day I go to work and um, Natalie had already told everybody the story yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amazing God. so yeah. um, I, I just remember we were I think we were all in Ewan's dressing room or, we, or Liam's we were in one of their dressing rooms which were always nicer than mine <laughs> um, and um, we were all just talking about it like can you imagine what it would have been like if Michael Jackson would have been doing this mm-hmm. and everybody was like what well, it was like mixed oh it would have been terrible like we wouldn't have been able to do any it would have been able to work like everybody would just be about michael jackson yeah. like there would be no way he would be able to do the things you're doing just because it's michael jackson yeah you know yep every single corner of that place would be michael jackson protected yeah. right mm-hmm. you sure. know so it would have just completely Hurt the Agreed. filming of the movie. Absolutely, every you know? sh- every scene would have to have fireworks, and he'd have to drop through <laughs> the floor. And plus, we all got really tight doing it um, because we never. And I think this is the big, the biggest difference between the Star Warses, you know, and the thing that we have. We had our cast had me, Natalie, Liam, and Ewan and Jake. The thing mm-hmm. our cast had that the original cast had was a George, you know, but we never thought we were in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We were never conscious of this is Star Wars. I mean, of course, we all knew and we were all excited. Sure. But it didn't cloud our performances. We mm-hmm. weren't aw- we weren't self-aware of it being Star Wars because we were all kind of figuring it out, including George. Like, George hadn't directed anything in 20 years. Sure. You know, so he sure. was just coming back. He was he was just getting in the director's seat again. So there were no expectations. And for him, there were no expectations. I'm sure there were expectations from everyone else. Yeah, of course. You know, but we approached it as an independent film. I know that's weird to mm-hmm. think about because it was so huge. The scale was just large. But for us, it was more about it being an independent film. And we just, you know, we were there to make the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. And George has always been a person who was all right with failure. You know, mm-hmm. the only reason why I was even hired for the movie was because he's comfortable with failing big. Mm-hmm. You know, and really so taking cool. that chance. Yeah. And regardless of what you feel about Jar Jar, the fact that he did it changed movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's up. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think um, what's happening now with the with the Star Wars is there's a little bit of that missing because everyone who is doing it is such a huge fan. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a little different. Uh, you know, it feels different than it than it. Uh, yeah, than yeah. Those films so, even. Uh, in honor of our next guest, Jordan Hembro, the Toy Hunter, who we're yeah. gonna have on. Uh, do you have any cool Star Wars memorabilia? I do. Um, one of my favorite things, and this sounds so narcissistic, but you know, Anthony Daniels forced me to be in that bar scene in um, Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. And we both had these like pilots uniforms on. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things where I was just like, yeah, sure. it was my day off. And Anthony was like, you're going to be in the movie. And I was like, well, as wanna... Ahmed Best, as not me, in not as George. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Of course. And yeah. I was like, man, I just want to, I want to go to Bondi and swim with you in Australia. <laughs> and he was like, nope, come on, we're getting dressed. And Anthony, you know, if for those who don't know Anthony Daniels, is he plays C3PO. Yeah, C3PO. Yeah, he has like such a huge, like, personality and mm-hmm. he's like nope you're doing it as soon as he said <laughs> i was like i guess i'm doing this thing so we went to wardrobe and he was like we're both going to be pilots right and we're going to be pilots on the same shit. <laughs> you had a whole story <laughs> you know what i mean and Love i was like it. bet i'm with it and so i put like i was like i want a scar on my face <laughs> like right over my eye like a blaster scar yeah, right? yeah. at first i was going to do like this huge mohawk but then it looked like i had like a bikini wax on my head so yeah. i was like nah i'm not gonna <laughs> do that and shit so he was like we're gonna be in this scene and i was like all right cool and we got um, all the characters got body scanned mm-hmm. for toys. And I just thought, I just wanted to get body scanned because I thought it was cool. Yeah. Right. So we got body scanned. Um, and then we did the scene. And it was fun. And I was just hanging out all day. And like George gave me a close up, which was fun. Um, and then they made a toy out of me and Anthony's Oh, that's characters. awesome. Oh, yeah. that's so great. It's so cool. Oh, that's and I was so like, amazing. holy yeah. shit. Like, I, I was not okay. expecting that The reason all. that's cool, and I'll tell you something, we went to Walter Koenig's house, who played uh-huh. Chekhov, Chekhov on Star Trek, yeah. and we got to interview him there at his house at his office, and in his office, he's a big memorabilia collector, mm-hmm. and he has a shelf of Chekhov's okay. at his house, which is the coolest thing, because he's got like 20 different Chekhov action figures. Right on. Yeah. Amazing. This is Jordan Hembro. The, the Toy Hunter. The Toy Hunter. Hello, Jordan. What's up, guys? We'll be on our next hey, episode. Hey, how's it going? Nice to see yeah. you. Are you, familiar, are you familiar with this toy that Ahmed is talking about? I am familiar with this toy. It's actually pretty cool, too. I've got it in my personal collection. I've got a little Ahmed at my, at yeah. my house. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I was really I was really shocked by that. Yeah. Surprise. I love it. Well, um, honestly, it was... Uh, Wait, a, before you go, I please. asked him, did Stephen yes. tell you about my, my six degrees of Ahmed Best? No. no. All right, so here's the thing. Oh, no, we did. We talked about... Oh, about my GMA. father? GMA? GMA. Yeah. Yeah. Your dad's yeah. freaking awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. He's so funny. Yeah. Like, so... You told him. I told yeah, him. Told, yeah, right, you so you know it. So yeah, yeah. stole my thunder. I'm dad, sorry. Your dad's awesome. Be like, that's my son. <laughs> <laughs> that's so great. Thank you. All right, great. Thought, all right, Thank you. Yeah, all yeah, right well, Ahmed, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, where I'm cracking jokes and shit, uh, at Ahmed Best. You can find me on Instagram at Best Ahmed. Um, I don't check Facebook very much, but please check out the Afrofuturist podcast, which will be up in a couple weeks. In June, it should be dropping in June. Um, and I'm at best.com and the website for the Afrofuturist podcast will be found at the Afrofuturist podcast.com. All right. And, uh, Glazer, you can always get Glazer on Twitter and Instagram. I believe both are Glazer boo hoo hoo. Is that right? Mm -hmm. 
And you can get uh, Matt Walker at... Find me at funnymat.com, or if you want to tell me you don't like what I did today, please let me know at mattwalkersucks.com. Absolutely. You can always get me at Stephen Glickman, S-T-E-P-H-E-N Glickman, on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nighttime Show podcast and uh, leave us uh, lots of messages and things, and we have to get started because Jordan Hembro is here. we got to talk about toys. We will. Episode one is out. Episode two begins shortly.